This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where certain things are fixed, the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. Hey, y'all. What up, what up? Clayton's back. It's hey, good to hey. be back. It's been a while. I've missed you guys. Not only has it been a while since you've been on the podcast, it's been a while since I've been on this podcast. Oh, like, that's true. Not, <laughs> not for our listeners. They think I'm here every week. But... um. Yeah, I haven't filmed, I haven't filmed an episode of Pints and Perspective since like November. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Been a hot minute. Um, so when we first started doing podcasts, this quickly became my favorite one. Oh yeah, well you get to drink beer. I get to drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it very quickly became my favorite one, and then I just wasn't on it for a while. Yeah, well, we went, what, seven weeks with Ben and then one with Adam? So that that's eight weeks. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and practicing presence kind of became my favorite since we were doing it pretty often. Um, but this one, uh, it feels nostalgic to be back here actually a little bit. Yep, yep. So we, you guys, I don't, I don't know. Um. We haven't talked about beer in a while. What are you drinking, bro? I'm drinking. Um, so my all-time favorite IPA is the 120-minute IPA from Dogfish Head. Yeah, fantastic. Now. You've drank that on here before. I have, I think. Now, I should also preface, our dad has this famous line. When we used to talk about Tex-Mex... <laughs> You get, you know, you get the crappy hole in the wall kind of Tex-Mex place. Yeah. And that's fine. Whatever. You can run that up the chain, right? You can have like Papacitos. Yeah. And, and then you, you can have Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. And like, you, you just shouldn't call Taco Bell Mexican Tex-Mex. Food. Like, yeah. it's just not. It's no. some, it's something else. It's a category of its own. We, we actually defined it the other night. It is a Mexican-inspired... Um, American food. Yeah, right. It's 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 a weird thing that does strange things to people's intestines. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not Tex-Mex. No. Well, in the same way that Taco Bell is not really in the same category as like Tex-Mex or authentic Mexican food, um, the Dogfish Head 120 minute IPA. It can't really be in the same category as like everyday beer. No. I mean, it's $40 for a four pack. While it has characteristics that are of quintessential IPAs, um, it is also very different in and of itself. It's very different. It's very expensive. It's a double boil yeah um there's just so many things that are different from it so yeah with that that's my all-time favorite beer but it's so expensive remember guys i'm a pastor cannot afford to drink that every day not to mention it's like 20 percent abv so yeah. i couldn't drink it every day um also let me clarify i don't drink every day but you guys get what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> um so my kind of like everyday thing that I could afford to drink when I drink uh, is the Texas winter IPA from St. Arnold's brewing. I happen to have it because we are in winter. Yeah. 
But unfortunately, it is a seasonal, and I only get it occasionally. It is fantastic. It's got like this grapefruit adjunct. That, yep, that's, that's exactly right. It has a grapefruit adjunct, and it's fantastic. But yep, it's really solid. Um, so what I'm drinking is a beer from one of my favorite breweries, um, Real Ale. Real Ale. Yeah, they have one that is. Um, Blood and orange, or it's like blood orange, right? Um, yeah, what are the the blood, honey, and blood? Honey or? and uh, blood, honey, or I don't remember what it's called right now. Or um, is that the one they have revolver in the title? Yeah, well, so yes, blood, it, honey, it's, revolver, it's of their revolver, yeah, um, yeah, line, sort of. I'm not a huge fan. They do they do some things, but uh, overall, this one though is fantastic. We are no longer in Oktoberfest, but because I hoard things, um. I like to keep Oktoberfest around year long. How are you going to do that in the trailer? I don't know. Underbody storage? Uh, maybe, uh, but like I'm, I don't want to risk it getting too hot in the summer. Oh yeah. So I might keep it in my outdoor fridge. You just won't be able to keep much out there. No, but I can still keep my high life in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a broke um, college student and also working for a church. So yeah, I drink cheap beer too. It's okay, yeah. um, but cheers, I'm, cheers. Yeah, but if you didn't figure it out, I'm drinking the real ale Oktoberfest. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> we progressed on that. Um, yeah. It's delicious though. Yeah, really good, really good. I hope that um, you know a lot of our podcast people listen to on the way to work. Mm. My goal would be. I would hope that this is endeared by theology nerds like myself and uh, that they would wait until five and they would sit down, put their headphones in, crack a beer and join us as yeah. a participant in the conversation. I know I'm dreaming, but that would be my goal. Yeah. I mean, that was our original idea yeah. for this podcast was that it would be like a pub room conversation. And um, hopefully uh, when we get to a thousand listens a month a thousand downloads a month we're getting close help us get there share, make sure share, you share. share um if we or when we get there i hope to do something where we can do like um a panel of theologians at saint arnold's that would be dope yeah but we got to get through covid before we can do that no because we could so they have a private room you can rent okay Hmm. We need and, to talk about that. Yep. So that's actually a good idea. Not a live event. Yeah. Just just a place where we can go have several theologians meet us and and we can share. We could beer. also stream it live. So we could stream it live. Let us know if you're interested in that. We could stream one episode live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if we did them all, then they would all come out on the same day. Yeah. And we like to batch record content around here. So. Yeah, we do. All right. So our topic of the day. Mm. Is the Germans like to call it Heilsgeschichte? That is salvation history. Um, we are going to be talking for the next few weeks on a theological conversation, as you've seen from the title, called Soteriology. That is the study of salvation. And while it may make some people uncomfortable to say that God changes, at the very least, you have to say that the manner in which God saves someone has changed. Mm. 
So let's tell this narrative, okay? Clayton, why don't you tell the first three chapters of Genesis? Creation, right? Um, very simply put, uh, God makes man and woman. Humanity, yep. Humanity. Um, and then the fall. Yeah. That is the first three chapters. <laughs> so, yeah. The only thing, the only detail that I would point out that you didn't ex- explicitly mention is that God creates the world so that he can have a place to be in relationship with humanity. Yeah. Um, and that's why the fall is so significant. Right. Because it takes that away. Right. The fall, or when Adam and Eve sin, it creates this barrier, this divide between them and God. Mm. Most notably in the narrative by their fig leaves. Right. They actually put something tangible in between them and God. Yeah. So, God says, well, this perfect place that I have made for you, you can't be here anymore. Yeah. So, he kicks him out, puts a weird angelic spiritual being in the front with a flaming sword and doesn't let him go back in. Yeah. And then the rest of the narrative is humanity trying to figure out how to restore that brokenness how to heal what's been done. And we see them do some very heinous things in the name of pursuing God. Mm-hmm. Right? We see Cain kill his brother. Yeah. That in the name of pursuing God. Yeah. Well, so that's one that I have to question a little bit. Um, not that Cain killed Abel, right? Like, I'm not questioning that. The Bible's very clear. Um, but what I'm questioning is more, um, was it really in pursuing God or was it out of jealousy that Abel had reached that point or out of jealousy that he had believed Abel had reached that point because of his self-righteousness? No, I think, I think that narrative, that reading that you clearly have been shown um, politely stated, or let me say in the most polite way I can think of on the moment, (laughs) um, has come from people who are poor readers of the Bible. Okay. There's a pattern that's shown to us in the first three chapters of Genesis. God creates. God's in fellowship and because of sin, humanity turns against God and against one another. So, when we get to Cain and Abel, it's a continuing of that pattern. Mm-hmm. So, God's created a new way for Adam and Eve to live in fellowship with them, right? Cain and Abel are offering sacrifices. Mm-hmm. But in that... <clears throat> Cain is turned away from God and his selfishness, right? Mm -hmm. Because he gives only grain. And in that, is upset that God receives Cain's 
or receives Abel's and not his, so he kills his brother, right? That's pattern cycle number two. And we go through, we get a weird genealogy thing, and God casts Cain away. And then we get chapter six, where God's created a new, right? He's cast Cain away. God's made new. There's relationship because God's in conversation with Noah. But the world has turned against God and against itself, mm. against humanity. The reason God wants to destroy the world in Genesis 6 is because of its violence. Mm. They've turned against one another. And we go through, once again, da, 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 da. And so the Noah story goes from 6 to 10. And 10 is where we get that really weird exchange there with, um, or maybe it's at the end of 9, um, with Noah's son walking in on his nakedness when he's drunk or whatever. Just that really weird kind of thing. It, um, it's one of those stories that you don't hear preached from the pulpit. I guarantee you. Oh, I will preach that story. Oh, you should. Yeah, one we, day I will preach should. that story. Uh, yeah, because um, I think there's a lot of things going on there. But then we get a genealogy, which once again shows us, like, the world's continued to fall into corruption. Then we get to Genesis 11. Well, what happens in Genesis 11? The Tower of Babel. They've turned against God because they're trying to get to his level. Mm. They're trying to get to the same place that God is. Yeah. And in doing so, God actually this time turns them against each other by distorting their language. So it's this constant pattern of this. And then we get to Genesis 12 where God's going to make things anew again mm -hmm. in the person of Abram, right? So it's this constant pattern of God creates something that's good or makes a way for him to be in relationship with people, and they turn against God and each other. It's the constant, that, that is a threefold pattern of the entire biblical narrative. Mm. It's shown to us four times in the first 11 chapters. And then 12, it continues on, right? What, what happens as we go? Well, Abram turns against God by taking matters into his own hands to yeah. fulfill the promise of God by sleeping with Hagar, mm -hmm. at which point he casts her away yeah. because he was wrong. Right. And God makes anew by impregnating Sarah via Abraham. Right. And this cycle continues on and on and on throughout the narrative. So... um, this is why I love this podcast so much. I know a large portion of our viewers on this one are pastors and theologians and things. Um, so a lot some of, are for sure, huh? Some are, yeah. So I know that's a lot more of you guys. predominated by the um, the closer look podcast, but some of them yeah, are. On some here. of them are on here too. Um, so I know some of you guys are like, yeah, this is obvious. Like, uh, yeah, but, but like, we got to work this out for people like me. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, that. Um, that pattern, um, I don't ever want to be so hubris to say I'm the only person to come up with something. Right, right, right. Nobody's ever taught me that. Oh. That's not in a textbook I've seen anywhere. That's a pattern that I see as a narrative theologian mm -hmm. that tries to be a good reader of their Bible. Mm -hmm. And not not one-off verses or, or, or isolated narratives, but macro narratives meta narratives of scripture right. that's just a pattern that i've seen mm. and so once again 
I'm not saying it's original to me, but if in the next 10 years I don't see it in a book somewhere, I'm going to write the book. <laughs> if the Bible Project has not done something on that yet, you should partner with Hey, hey, Bible Project. Hit Tim, us <laughs> Tim, John, hit me up, man. Hit us I up. will do it. Um, I think Tim has a different idea of what's happening there in Genesis. Probably. Um, and I will say, I've had some conversation with some people, and I'm, I'm alone on this idea, mm. but not to be rude, I'm the host of this podcast, <laughs> one of the hosts. I'm the pastor of Wellhouse Church, and so I'm going to share with you my idea yeah. of what's happening, um, because I think that is the foundation of salvation. Mm. It's that threefold narrative. It's, it's God created something that was good. God created in six days, however you want to interpret that. And at the end of every day, he said, this is good. And for humanity, they were made in the image and likeness of God. So not only is it good, there's a sanctity in it. Yeah. Right? Why is it so taboo for someone to be a cannibal? something we would never do well because it's the person has an inherent sanctity of life mm. because they're made in the image of god we don't even have to tell somebody they're made in the image of god but there's just something weird about eating a human yeah. because they're made in the image of god mm. and so god makes this thing that's good and he wants to be in relationship with us and we constantly screw it up and God's constantly trying to find a new way to make it work. Yeah. That's the Old Testament narrative. God has instituted a new system of which works is not the foundation. Works is something you have to do in order to do the thing necessary to be in relationship. But Hebrews 11 tells us that it's by faith Abraham was saved. It's by faith that Lot was saved. It's by faith the patriarchs of the faith were saved. So salvation, even in the Old Testament, came through faith. Now, the experience or the expression of faith has changed. was much more external. Yeah. But then we get to Jesus. And right? this is where the expression of faith changes, right? Yeah, or the experience, experience of, faith. of faith. Yeah, yeah. Not well, expression too, but yeah. not for salvific purposes. See, if we go back to the Cain and Abel story, do you remember that story like pretty detailed? Uh, yeah, sort of. Um, Tell it to me. I mean, so more or less, um, fairly detailed, right? Um, this is rough, but um, they're supposed to give some offerings to God, right? Abel brings the, the right offerings, the, the animal sacrifices. So the animal sacrifice, yep. Um, and then Cain brings grain, and it doesn't please God because it wasn't the way he said to do it. Um, yeah, so it's twofold. I think, I think it's really interesting. Once again, I think this is a key piece that goes into my threefold narrative here. But through Genesis 3... All we've been told is how humanity is alike. Right. Right? <clears throat> Eve is made from Adam. 
at the same time they're unashamed, at the same time they feel shame, at the same time they cover their bodies, they eat the fruit at the same time, like everything they've done in unison. Right. Everything's about how they're the same. Shout out Sean Palmer. He's the one that helped me see this. Genesis 4.2 or 4.1. Now the man knew his wife Eve and she conceived and bore Cain saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. Verse 2. Next she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a tiller of the ground. Yeah. First time we're told they're different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now as we go on story of Cain and Abel flows out or plays out. And remember, Abel's a keeper of sheep. Yeah. And Cain's a tiller of the ground. It's it's almost like Abel is set up to give the perfect sacrifice while Cain is not. Well, the narrative there is that Cain doesn't offer his best. Mm. Right? He just offers a portion. Abel offers the best sheep he's got. And so while both are sacrificing, Cain's offering or Abel offers his best. Now we're later, we later figure out once again in the meta narrative in the Exodus story, the salvation or grace rather is experienced through sacrifice Remember, the final plague is the plague of the angel of the angel of death. Do you remember that story? Sort of. Okay. The story is Moses goes, the Israelite people are enslaved in Egypt. Moses goes, he goes through nine plagues to get Pharaoh to release. Right. The tenth one is the firstborn of every household will be killed. Unless you sacrifice a lamb and put his blood over your doorpost. Right. Then the angel of death will pass over. Mm-hmm. It's the Passover feast. Right. And won't kill the firstborn. Right. So the experience of grace happens within the context of sacrifice. Right. Couple that with the Cain and Abel story, and we're shown that not only is grace experienced through sacrifice, but it's, it's, it's experienced through the ultimate sacrifice, the best sacrifice we have. So as we go through in the development of the law and Israelite, the is, Israel's history, the call was to bring the best sacrifice, right? The, the sacrifice without blemish, the best of what you had, and then you kill it, and that would be a satisfactory offering mm-hmm. on behalf of your family until the next time you brought an offering. Well, that's not sustainable. Right. It's also wasteful, and God has to have the people whom he loves kill the creatures he created. Right. It doesn't seem like that's very fitting for the character of God. So what does God do? God says, let me come up with a new way to do this. And God says, well, the only thing that will work is a sacrifice from within myself, my son. I've got an element of me 
that's like humanity or else it can't be recorded that humanity's made in the image and likeness of God. Right. So there's an element of God that's like humans. What if I put myself in their shoes and I live the life that they haven't been able to live yet and I offer myself as the final sacrifice so that my perfect blood can be a covering for all of this pattern of me making something good, me creating, making it good, and being in a place where I can be in relationship with these people and then turning away from me and turning against one another, causing hatred and violence. What if I put myself right in the middle of it and I give myself as the ultimate sacrifice, there's no more of this, that faith is no longer experienced externally, but it's internally, and then they can turn their focus away from living an external faith through rules and laws, and they can do it through righteousness with one another. Mm. That's the story of salvation through the Bible. Now, the question that we're going to explore for the next three or four weeks is what actually happens in salvation as salvation work yeah. on the cross in the person of Jesus in 2021 mm. what actually happened what what happened on the cross and the resurrection right because once again if salvation is offering of life a dead person can't offer life it's the most asinine thing I've ever heard if someone ever shares the gospel with you and they leave out the resurrection you should run the other way They've missed the freaking point. Well, if you're here right now and you're listening to this, um, it means you probably already believe it, um, which means that you should have a call-in moment with this person and say, you left out a very important piece. Yeah. Like, and that is the resurrection. The res- Like, the gospel does not matter without the resurrection. So, what happens in the resurrection of Jesus? And how's that been interpreted throughout church history? So, up to this point, we've been talking about salvation history, right? Now, salvation history covers from Adam and Eve to, what is it today? January 20-whatever, 22nd? Yeah. January 22nd, 2021. But a subcategory of salvation history is the biblical narrative of salvation history. Right. That's what we've covered up to this point. The next three or four weeks, we're going to explore what salvation history is, from Jesus on the cross and the end of the Bible, the end of the biblical narrative to now, what are theologians saying? What are what are people saying is the experience of salvation? Because um, there's a lot of different ideas about what happened on the cross and the resurrection, how that's experienced, yeah, and how that's expressed. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested and you want to keep listening, um, track along and share. Freaking share. <laughs> get us to get us to 1K a month, and uh, we'll do a giveaway on merch. We'll do a giveaway on merch, and um, we will also do the episodes with multiple theologians. Um, if you're here, you're a Bible nerd, so share, 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 share. Yep. If I'll make you a deal, if if you can prove to me somehow, I'm not technologically savvy. You can prove to me. It's such a lie. <laughs> well, I'm technologically savvy, but not 
not in this regard. So I don't know how you could do it. But if you can prove to me that you shared this this post five times, I'll put your name down and the first t shirt we launch, I'll give you I'll give you a free copy. Anybody who does it. Yeah. If a hundred of you do it, I'll give you a free t shirt. Yeah. You gotta Absolutely. be able to prove to me that you shared it five times, but I'll give you a free t shirt. So so we'll do it this way. If you're watching or listening on your phone, um, if you click the share button and you send it through whatever, it's going to bring up a, a message thing, whether it's an email or a text or a Snapchat or however. Oh, screen, screenshot, screenshot it, after, shot you've, it. after you've sent it? But it has to be five different people that you're sharing it with. Five different people or... Social media shares. Yeah, social media shares. I'm willing to do that too. But if you can do it, email me at, at mywellhouse.cullen uh, at gmail.com. Oh, oh, Cullen at mywellhouse. Well, send it to mywellhouse.church at um, gmail.com. Okay, you do that five times. You can prove it. I'll put you down and you'll get a free t-shirt. You'll be the first one to get a Respect Perspective t-shirt. Yep. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Love you.